Welcome to Don't Mince Your Words with Akanksha. This podcast is a place for discussing polarizing nerdy opinions or hot takes about languages and linguistics. Linguists are more often than not thought to be students or professionals who learn a lot of languages. While this is a false assumption, it isn't rare for linguists to be polyglots. With us today, we have Dr. Chinmay Dharurkar. He is a professor of linguistics and translation studies. Moreover, he is a polyglot and speaks several Indian languages. In addition to this, he also writes poetry in Urdu. Today's episode is called The Linguist and the Polyglot, where we discuss how advantageous it is for a linguist to be a polyglot. Dr. Chinmay, thank you for being here with us today. It is truly an inspiring occasion for all of us. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and just as we have food cravings, I have what I call language cravings. I can physically feel an adrenaline rush, a purpose of sorts transcending into my body and mind when I begin learning a new language. So Dr. Chinmay, how did you commence your journey of being a polyglot? Chinmay, thank you for being here with us today. Um, and we hope to learn a lot from you today. Uh, so I sometimes find myself where I wake up in the middle of the night and I just like we have normal food cravings. I have this crazy rush where I want to learn a new language or what I call language cravings. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, well, uh, that kind of a craving, I don't have a memory of that kind of craving. <laughs> but there is certainly a constant fascination that uh, that i carry along i see and it has been there but uh, this kind of a midnight uh, fascination i have never had but yes there is a certain constant fascination about languages and there is always a list of bunch of languages lying ahead uh, yeah that you always intend to learn or there are some languages which are half learned we can say that way the <laughs> and most of most firstly uh, when anyone calls oneself or someone calls you a polyglot it looks like uh, we are not being modest and yeah what i have counseled myself is that it's okay to be called a polyglot and it's okay of whatever kind of polyglots we happen to be uh, so i think there also comes a lot of responsibility when someone says that oh he's a polyglot or when Uh, that becomes your uh, the way you are introduced exactly so, exactly yeah. uh, i remember so, i remember my parents introducing me to a bunch of uh, their friends and uh, they said that she speaks 13 languages and all of a sudden i was like oh, okay but what if i just fumble and now i make a mistake and people are going to question oh you're a polyglot and now you're making mistakes while speaking so yeah. that's uh, that's there's a lot of weightage in the word polyglot i suppose yeah, yeah. so i think that there there has to be a modesty on there is of course any polyglot does not uh, boast oneself to be a polyglot but polyglot is something that you happen to be after you have a passionate engagement with languages so uh, i think i have lost track of what you asked 
so yeah uh, yes there is a certain fascination that runs constantly through there is that the track running in my mind always there is a bunch of languages lying ahead uh, yeah i suppose so. i suppose it's like a tbr list, list right where we have to be read books so these are like languages that yeah. we need to learn to be yeah, learned to, to be learned languages yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh I and, wish there was an app like Goodreads has for TBR there should be a la- there should be an app where we can just make a list of all the languages that we wish to learn someday Yeah yeah and also the languages that were once half learned Yes and then there is always a list that I have to do something about that language mm-hmm. as well or some languages are learned quite long back like I remember I learned Konkani in 2011 I and see. after that i didn't do much anything about that so i always feel like oh, i should do something about it i should revisit those books i should talk to those friends so right. there will always be such languages that lying ahead and then lying behind as well absolutely absolutely um so could you just tell us a little bit about how you sort of commenced your journey of being a polyglot so i think is the first realization that i have a certain flair for languages that mm-hmm. came when i was in class class 8 in aurangabad and uh, one of my i think there, there was a this tri language uh, formula that was followed in our schools uh-huh. and i was in a strange school where first language was marathi and then second language you could choose and third was uh, english but however other subjects the medium of instruction for other subjects was english so this right. was a rare combination to have right. and uh, so uh, aurangabad itself which is a district in the central maharashtra yeah uh, that itself is a certain uh, we can say uh, confluence where I you see. find uh, dakhni speakers mm-hmm. and by the way uh, Aurangabad used to be the capital of the Nizam before they shifted to Hyderabad. So yes, yes. And yeah. Thank you for informing us that. Yeah. So somewhere as I grew up as a child, I grew up as a partly native speaker of Hyderabadi Dakhni mm-hmm. Urdu. Dakhni Urdu let us say Dakhni. And also at my home it used to be naturally Marathi which is my first language. Mhm. And my father's maternal side right uh, like his maternal uncle and their family they are all kannadigas from bidar district so he used to talk to them in kannada to his maternal relative so urdu presence of urdu then presence of kannada on father's maternal side mm-hmm. and marathi being spoken at home right. this was a context that i grew up in however this 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 does not make me uh, like this does not help me or this didn't help me to realize that okay i have a certain flair for languages as i told you it was in class 7th or 8th that yeah. i realized that when samasas compounds were taught in a sanskrit grammar class okay i realized that i i am getting it better than compared to my fellow students so i felt like okay i am interested or there is something that i am faster when it comes to learning these things in grammar I so see. that actually was the first trigger 
I see. Nine. I think uh, for me, this was a lot later. It's when I entered CALTS that uh, um, uh, we started learning about various languages where we were talking about Hindi, we were talking about Urdu, and there was Telugu and Sanskrit. And that's when I realized that because of the background where I come from, where um, uh, my mother tongue is Odia, but then uh, Odia is very similar to Bangla. and uh, so i ended up learning i ended up picking up both the languages and then i moved to hyderabad when i was i think 6 uh, or 7 and so i ended up picking up telugu and a bit of dakini urdu as well and so i realized that because of these things i was able to pick up what was happening in the language science class is a lot better i was able to record my observations i could i could uh, come up and tell the teacher okay i have observed this in my own mother tongue because of these things uh i think there was a quote by gaste where he says that uh, one who hasn't learned a foreign language doesn't know his own so right. i suppose that's what has happened with the okay. but what were your base languages like base languages in the sense what were the languages that uh, apart from odia what were other languages that you had around uh so like i said so i i picked up odia i picked up sambalpuri sambalpuri is a dialect of odia um then i picked up uh, I, and i grew up in hyderabad so i picked up uh, telugu and uh, bengal uh, and bangla along with hindi and urdu so that's how it happened hindi isn't even my mother tongue so, so but you i'm grew up sure. in hyderabad and yeah yeah okay. i grew so up in so growing hyderabad. up in hyderabad gives you access to hindi say dakini yeah. then yeah. to telugu and at yeah. home you had bangla and naturally odia and sambalpuri yeah. was something that you must have learned because of some some relatives over there or speaking sambalpuri i i suppose i suppose there was a genuine interest because uh, a lot of my family members were living in the sambalpur side and so they would uh, whenever they came for summer vacation or something we would sit and they would tell me that this is very different from how we speak in uh, the ganjam district of odisha and so that's when i started picking up and then later there was this uh, uh like i said a language craving of sorts where i wanted to learn what sambalpuri is because the culture seemed very uh, enticing to me the music and the folk art and okay. so i ended up learning that um so okay. uh All right. Uh, so, Doctor Chidma, you mentioned also about learning uh, and writing in Urdu. Uh, right. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. So, this Aurangabad being that kind of place where Dakhni is easily available. <laughs> my childhood neighborhood was something called Begumpura. I and see. We used to live in something uh, the university campus over there. and this begumpura had an interesting culture which was like a hub of dakhni urdu being spoken so my rickshaw wala who would drop me to my school he, or the bread wala that would come every morning twice a day so all these people around the vegetable market everything would speak dakhni or that that kind of urdu which was there. that was one trigger or that was one first exposure we can say another important thing was that my mother's father my maternal grandfather i see uh, his education took place in nizam's time in hyderabad uh, in hyderabad i see so and that was in urdu and he himself was an advocate uh, throughout his life practicing in a in a taluka in aurangabad district called vaijapur so he had a, a what you can say a 
penchant for urdu shayari uh-huh. and urdu literature uh, besides nice. urdu laws whatever he had learned in urdu so that uh, we used to see that he he would he still has that small book he is now more than 90 uh-huh. and he writes he notes down records whatever things he finds interesting and he notes them down in his small diary mm-hmm. so uh, that was something a wonder that this man writes something in a language in a script that is not written like ours right right and apart from that indeed because as as i said about the locality and the neighborhood i mm-hmm. got as a child we would see boards in urdu and that would look simply elegant <laughs> so that elegance of the script itself uh, it enticed me to say you better i learn it how can i not know that script uh, but initial attempts were uh, very uh, like they i didn't succeed but by the time i was in 10th uh, i started learning scripts i went to i remember i in one of my i think it was my uh, ssc 10th uh, summer vacation that i went to be the okay there uh, naturally all boards were in kannada so <laughs> i decided okay let me learn this script then i learned the okay. script then right. i really found that I, the kind of uh, roundedness these two scripts have kannada and yeah. telugu a similar elegance i also found in uh, like urdu was always a fascinating nastaliyat was always a fascinating script yes yes so simultaneously i remember me and uh, uh, my classmate uh, we learned these two scripts together kannada and nastaliyat and then of course uh, my grandfather would help us to understand which strokes are going wrong and lot of proportion things would go wrong when uh, i used to write urdu so urdu and kannada were the first scripts apart from devnagari and other scripts which i already learnt in the school uh, right. that i happened to learn so there that was the like tense can be the uh, point where i actually took an initiative and learned so then next two years i learned several other scripts as well mm-hmm. so then so tamil the, okay yeah okay so once once you realize that okay you can do scripts are uh, once you get a pattern when you recognize a pattern in the scripts you feel okay then why not that script this script <laughs> yes Sure. I uh, I remember one of my friends telling me that it's sort of a uh, it's sort of a it's sort of an addiction of uh, sorts where you feel like I've conquered this script now it's yeah, my ta- my it's turn a, to move on yeah. to another script and conquer it. Right. Uh, so she looks at it like mountains to conquer and uh, that has allowed her to learn. I think she's picked up about 11 languages and uh, she and they're all veering uh, scripts. so uh, from arabic to bangla to gujarati to telugu none of them are similar but uh, that's how she picked it up um so my my friends who are language enthusiasts uh, and are willing to become polyglots asked me how i learn different scripts uh, now you have learned uh, languages that vary in scripts like you just mentioned uh what is your thought process behind this and how do you keep learning these you different uh different scripts and keep it fun and not get motivated uh, demotivated about it uh frankly speaking each each language has its own story 
so mm-hmm. i think we covered kannada and urdu script story yes but initially there was no uh, strategy on how to learn so right. i would pick up some random books like learn some language in 30 days that is one popular oh. series that we used to get in aurangabad so but those books i found that was barely useful to learn a language but whatever would come without this was in 2000 Mm-hmm. uh the year 2000 when internet was not uh, like as helpful as it is now to learn languages right. so uh there initially there was no strategy for kannada i had some uh exposure within the family mm-hmm. for urdu as i said there was little exposure in the town mm-hmm. and then at my grandfather's library or his own interest right so how did you manage to learn bangla and gujarati yeah, i am coming i am coming to that so uh, with these scripts uh, till then till 2002 i was in aurangabad right and then this classmate of mine we were together from class 5 and he took he had a particular interest in scripts alone whereas okay. i was interested in language as well so um, as i remember by 2002 i had learned tamil scripts uh, then urdu and kannada after 2002 it so happened that uh, uh, i came to pune then i decided to do a ba in sanskrit and then sanskrit was not available in aurangabad so i came over and by the time uh, the plan was actually to do a ba in linguistics but then linguistics was available only in kolkata in 2002 mm-hmm. so i see okay yeah so my parents were not very willing to send me to kolkata and yeah. so my mother sister would be in pune and so that's how i came to pune in 2002 mm-hmm. so the journey of language goes like this now having learned the urdu script i i was not still a fluent reader in urdu mm-hmm. i could i managed writing and reading some boards but when it came to reading editorials mm-hmm. and it came to reading some proper text in urdu it would take a lot of time and i would find that i would get puzzled whether i should report that i know urdu or not to that extent <laughs> i was a slow reader so right. uh, then what i did was uh, that how do i know the difficult words because uh-huh. the bolchal ki urdu i could manage <laughs> but when it came to reading some articles or uh, editorials there is there is a vocabulary which is very distinct <laughs> so what i thought was let us do some uh, persian okay so i found a persian embassy office in pune and i, I joined their classes over there okay thankfully they had uh, native speakers as the teachers themselves Okay. would follow the books of the embassy so that's how persian began while learning persian i realized that oh there are 68% arabic words here <laughs> okay so i decided okay let us learn now arabic a bit of arabic at least okay so i learned some elementary arabic i did okay. some three levels of persian then okay wonderful okay uh that helped me a lot to better my urdu so having done this urdu paper reading newspaper reading then reading some novels that became easier 
so this was about these languages then so by 2005 uh, before i moved to hyderabad for my masters um, i had learned persian a bit of arabic and urdu that was i mean that was the level then now gujarati has yeah, there is a back story to gujarati uh gujarati uh, we had neighbors in aurangabad who were gujaratis gujaratis and somewhere there were there was some little exposure back then however gujarati remained dormant for a long time until i went to mumbai in 2008 Okay, and there I got a lot of exposure. Then, by I think it was in two thousand one two. I I forgot to tell you that by before c- coming to Pune itself, I had learned Gujarati script as well. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. So I think script several scripts I had learned in two thousand uh, to two thousand two, and I actually I had no plans to learn. I I was not sure whether I'll get enough exposure or how will I learn those languages. but it was just mm-hmm. a fascination with the scripts also it became easier right uh, then there is a script called modi script which is used for uh, the medieval marathi records are maintained in modi script i had learned okay. that script and okay. gujarati and modi had some similar similar characters as well i see so uh, gujarati in terms of script i had learned long back as a child i had little very little exposure of gujarati mm-hmm. but now having come to mumbai uh, in 2008 uh, naturally the exposure for gujarati grew uh, i would visit my mama in ghatkopar and several localities which were densely populated gujarati pockets okay. so there gujarati got a trigger and so coming back to uh, hyderabad so in 2000 Three, uh, 2005, I came to Hyderabad. Mm-hmm. So five, uh, then naturally there was lot of Telugu. So I learned yeah. Telugu. My all my roommates were Telugus. Then I learned the script because uh, Kannada and Telugu scripts are not very different. So it was okay. just adding some talakatus, changing the uh, signs for showing a, and mm-hmm. then some letters here and there. Only that bit. so that helped and how did i learn yes through by actual conversations but then by the time i came to hyderabad i was also becoming i mean i was being trained as a linguist right so then i realized that i could read grammar books as novels oh wow okay so uh, i remember telugu i the gwin and krishna murthy a grammar of telugu i just read it in some 2 3 days <laughs> and quite quite intense thoroughly uh, marking here and there writing marathi equivalents this that an interesting right. journey then and also my roommate who was an anthropology student he helped me a lot learning that i think uh, i relate to the part where you spoke about uh, using a grammar book as a novel and annotating it Yeah. I tend to do that as well, and uh, like I was. Um, so when I began learning uh, how to write in Odia, uh, what I would do is I would try to implement my eidetic memory by creating some kind of association with the letter and a reference object in the real world. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, the Odia letter Ch. Uh, it looks like a cat rolled up into a ball with a tail sticking out. 
so then i would connect it with the the word c h a and then i would say that okay the letter uh, the word begins with the english letter c and so then i would connect that with okay ch and so cat so that's how i learned uh, the odia script so uh, yeah so you were saying um uh, you were talking about uh, your roommates and uh, picking up languages i think what's very interesting about your journey as a polyglot is what uh, is that uh, now i picked up these languages by sitting in my own room without getting outside the house Right. uh it was uh, it was never for me to travel and learn languages as i want to because the the year that i joined a, a university the next year we had the covid-19 pandemic and so even if i wanted to go out and talk to people that wasn't possible uh however what i started doing was i started forming these uh, internet friends and internet groups where all the uh, native language speakers would interact where uh, there would be language exchanges so i teach someone hindi and in exchange they would teach me french Okay. and so that's how i ended up picking up language so i wish these things were there then and of course i will explore this as well now <laughs> okay uh, i would i i will uh, definitely share the links to these apps these yeah. are really fun uh, because especially while you're sitting in a lockdown uh, and uh, your spirit just wants to move around and have some fun because right. it's it's your 20s and uh, so yeah these apps have helped me a lot throughout the lockdown um so coming back to the main topic of our discussion today how do you think learning multiple languages or being a multilingual speaker has been helpful to you as a linguist yeah uh firstly uh am i audible yeah 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 so i think what happens is uh the, typically as a student of linguistics firstly we are told i am doing the myth breaking and then again revisiting the myth after that uh, as a student of linguistics we are often told that okay you might be a polyglot but you know being linguist is not necessarily being a polyglot yes indeed true uh, but what i realized is uh, knowing a bunch of languages mm-hmm. like as you said in the beginning that it is in the contrast of other languages that you come to realize what your language Yeah. Or the Gyotas quote that you quoted. Uh, it is not only that, but uh, adding to that, uh, what I realized was, uh, see, take up a sub discipline, a sub discipline of linguistics like linguistic typology. Mm-hmm. What kind of typology can you really do uh, if you don't know what is the structure of a Dravidian language? Mm-hmm. what kind of typology can we really do if we don't know what kind of interactions what kind of convergences that are being talked about i mean mm-hmm. the real benefit of being a polyglot is that you get a concrete anchor on to the grammatical features that are being talked about you get a concrete experience of what those grammatical features are otherwise just imagining that some language exists in such a way that it thoroughly marks uh third person um, verb mm-hmm. which rarely barely happens in uh, european or most of the other indo european languages yeah just imagining that is possible but once you know these languages how they actually work 
say a language like kannada language like tamil language like telugu uh, it is something you get a first hand experience of these things and then doing a typology you become a more confident student of typology than someone who just relies on reference grammars to make sense of how these grammatical features interact so i think the one of the uh, advantages of being a polyglot within linguistics is indeed typology mm-hmm. but apart from that when you do phonology when you do phonetics naturally yeah. these things help a lot like i can't imagine not being a poly or just being a uh, monolingual Mm-hmm. how do you do uh, uh, an interesting phonology it it would be so dull just to yeah, imagine absolutely. a language uh yes please go on i'm so sorry i couldn't hear you so for example the pharyngeals in arabic yes one can indeed say yeah pharyngeals but once you know how to create a, a structure how to your pharynx muscle and then pronounce those pharynx right that's a different experience altogether yeah so at all the levels of language analysis sound words sentence meaning it's extremely helpful to be a polyglot so it's rather more preferable to be a polyglot than not being one mm-hmm. uh, when doing linguistics yeah I suppose the whole experience becomes very personal it feels like i know this language and now i'm taking back something even more uh, you know some, something some some sort of a new secret that you've learned about that language which you already knew about like it's like an open secret about that language i suppose when i uh, when i was a kid and i picked up uh, i started learning uh, uh german that's when i realized that this case system that my father kept trying to teach me in english i wasn't able to uh, understand it completely but when i looked at it from the german perspective by looking at it like a whole new language that i didn't know or a whole new world that i didn't know existed so it allowed me to understand okay this is how it happens Mm-hmm. and uh, so yes i i do agree to that and uh, i think uh, just before our morphology classes had begun i had taken up this course of bahasa indonesia mm-hmm. where we were taught about the various uh, words such as you take a verb and then you add k in the front and an in the end so that becomes a circumflex i didn't know that it was called a circumflex until i entered the morphology class but i was able to understand bahasa indonesian better because of the morphology class and understand circumflexes better because of the bahasa indonesian class right so right. i think these two go hand in hand yes precisely like um... <laughs> how difficult it would be imagine to understand yeah. what are pharyngeals by just yeah. someone telling you that you have to there has to be a structure in pharynx and yeah so or as you said about infixes i found mm-hmm. that knowing uh, arabic whatever elementary arabic i learned mm-hmm. that helped me when i did this morphology <laughs> so it is it has a lot of merit when jota said that mm-hmm. knowing the other language is when you learn your own language so i think this this kind of contrastive understanding of languages is the way of knowing language as a phenomenon and of course as individual languages mm-hmm. as well.
also you become a confident student of typology or linguistics once you know yeah. uh, languages rather than just um, referring to some reference language yeah i suppose your knowledge of linguistics sort of becomes a working knowledge of that language and uh, yes i do agree with the confidence part uh, i remember when i first entered university i wasn't even fluent in my own mother tongue and uh, with every passing class i realized how important it was for me to know my own language in uh, and uh, that sort of allowed me to get better at language science as well um so yeah thank you so much for coming on the episode today and uh, i think the episode would be out by next week with all the editing and as part of a newsletter uh, when it came to learning bangla at that time i was in uh, mumbai okay and that was 2009 10 something okay and oh uh, resources like the as you mentioned about this kind of app and other things mm-hmm. internet was still not uh, something as promising as it is now yeah. to do bangla then so what uh, i had ordered a book uh, by william radiche okay and it came with a cd so i read the book as i told you reading the grammar books as novels i finished mm-hmm. that book along with the audio but still there was something that you feel you need more you need to know more to be a confident speaker yeah so what i used to do was uh, there was a common sharing system in iit bombay where okay students would share their data okay so many would share the films that they have okay and then i downloaded several bangla films i see and with subtitles of course yeah and then watch the film for the sake of learning language so watch one scene pause read the subtitle then maybe rewind redo right. watch again so that helped me a lot right so when uh, you don't have personal tutors when you don't have mm-hmm. the kind of resources you have now mm-hmm. uh, in those times or even now i guess even now while learning a language it's always uh, it adds a lot to your experience when you watch Absolutely. movies Yeah because yes, the movies uh, would bring in several varieties of that language. Yeah. Several contexts which we otherwise won't enter into. Yeah. So movies become can give you a rich experience of a language as such and then those can be used for language learning in this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same with Malayalam so for example for I was in Kerala for 7 years. So there to initially it was the films which would which helped me to uh, like yes there was immediate context which was very rich mm-hmm. but then watching films with subtitles that really helps yes so that is that is one small tip that that i thought that should be added i was saying um, i think i also binged a lot of satyajit ray movies then uh, especially the uh, apoot uh, trilogy where i would uh, like you mentioned uh, no matter how many personal tutors you end up having no matter how many courses you enroll in uh, music and movies are a very crucial part of learning a language i feel like because that uh, sort of gives you a glimpse into the culture as well and uh, i think somebody had written uh, that uh, language without culture is uh, 
sort of a handicapped situation and uh, yeah so i i totally agree with that and uh, i also relate with the bangla watching uh, the movie watching marathons and uh, i think i did that with the french as well because i didn't have a lot of people to talk to in french and so i would just try and imitate the dialogues that were taking place in amelie and yeah. uh, that's how i learned french Uh, thank you again dr chinmay thank you so much yeah. for all the experiences that you shared with us and yeah. uh, i'm so sorry that i'm still fumbling while speaking with you uh, <laughs> thank you akanksha for inviting me on this uh, uh, you're most welcome you're most welcome the pleasure is completely ours i think a lot of students are now going to love the fact that uh, being a polyglot is actually helpful and uh, you know we uh, we are always reprimanded uh, in the indian society where learning too many languages is seen as a mere hobby and nothing that you can do with but uh, i mean th- uh, listening to you talk about your experiences and your journey has allowed us to sort of realize that we don't really need to look at it from this capitalistic perspective of that right, i need to right. make some money out of learning this language right, uh, right. so you see uh, if you look at the uh, names of languages and mm-hmm. the number of languages that i have uh, learned these are mostly indian languages yes and only when it came to uh, do something with that indian language properly Mm-hmm. um my interest went to persian and arabic because those fed into yeah uh, urdu other uh, yeah. such language was a bit of german that i learned when i was doing my ba but that was one of the uh, languages in the college that you take as a subject right so german was one such okay so but now i have been willing to learn esperanto which i have not yet begun I see okay that's uh, wonderful okay so i look forward to learning that but somehow i have been procrastinating on that i don't know why that but yes that is I, on the list yeah i think uh, i think my my uh, love for star wars began with the fact that it was a home of so many languages and so was with game of thrones where i used to watch game of thrones only to learn dothraki <laughs> and uh, so yeah that's uh, there's a lot that i think a lot of polyglots have in common and yeah. Uh, yeah thank you so much again thank you so much this has been an amazing experience talking with you and thank you for being so polite and kind with me as well began learning how to write in oriya i would try to implement my eidetic memory by creating some kind of association with a letter and a reference object in the real world for example the oriya letter ch looks like a cat rolled up into a ball with its tail sticking out to me so then i connected with the word cha c h a which begins with this letter c Similarly while I was learning hiragana one of the scripts used in nihongo or japanese i would make colorful charts with mnemonics such as the hiragana letter nu looks like a pair of chopsticks with a twisted noodle around it and so i would connect nu with noodle a major part of my language journey has definitely been influenced by how a letter looks and memorizing it 
it takes a lot of time when you mindlessly just keep writing without understanding the pattern embedded into the script of your target language coming back to the main topic of our discussion today how do you think learning multiple languages or being a multilingual speaker is helpful to a linguist if you've seen learning a language in the sense of gaining conversational fluency or even reading fluency requires a significant amount of time i believe that most linguists probe research or deal with a variety of languages in order to gain a better understanding of a subject this doesn't imply learning the language but rather studying its vocabulary morphology and phonology the sentence pattern of that language in general it is possible for me to observe that mandarin is a tonal language and probably i could describe the phonological sound system but if i were at gunpoint and had to bleed for my survival i'd probably end up dead because i don't know a single word in mandarin listeners if you're interested in learning a new language with efficiency convenience and personalized lessons then italki is your go to italki is a learning language learning application that is affordable and provides personalized lessons from native speakers who know the real deal of the language you can go to www.go.italki.com/akanksha-mishra which is a k a n k s h y a m i s h r a to get a 10% discount on your purchase thank you